my name is James Pikeway, and welcome to Public Speaking in the Summer, COM 230, my summer class. This is day five, and it's all about props. We're introducing the idea, well, how can you make the best use out of PowerPoints or something that you're going to physically show or a whiteboard? How can you use these to make your talk even better? It's an introduction to that whole lot more to come but you know what it's all fun and this is public speaking in the summer here we go reading about things and then applying them to your speaking does make you better so i i highly encourage you i can't tell you how important it is to take a look at these readings and then see, okay, hey, I'm doing that and, and check off, keep doing that or hold on, let me let me try and and rejig how I'm doing my speaking with some of the suggestions from these readings. And I think that becomes very important. So we, we took a look at the Mark Bezos video. I really like that video, by the way. I, I like it for the length. I like it for what he does with incorporating stories into what he's doing. And then we're, we always remember speed is important. You have four minutes. We the same kind of physical organization. We've been talking about that over and over and over again. And then what, what we spoke about last class, and this is really important again to remember, as we're talking about organization, remember you've got those five parts to all speeches, right, ladies? And as people are coming in, they'll, they'll jump into this. But you also want to remember it's not just the introduction, conclusion, three points in the middle with a story or an example that are being linked together and you have transitions too. It's also thinking, how am I going to organize my information? Am I going to organize it by topic? Am I going to organize it by time? Am I going to organize it by space where it's taking place? All of these things become important. Is it about problem, sol problem solving? A problem and this is our problem and this is what we do to fix it. Is about, hey, this is what has caused us to do something. So all of, not only when we're, we're thinking about our speech, do we want to constantly keep in mind that we've got those five things, introduction, first point, second point, third point, conclusion, but also how am I organizing my information? So that becomes, again, really, really, really important to think about. And you want to keep that in mind. But also what I, what I really love, and oh, yeah, of course, we will talk a little bit more about transitions, but it's it's safe to say that you need to always be thinking, how am I going to get from one point to the other? How am I going to drag my audience with me so that they get the point? And this is this is kind of neat to watch how people do it. But this is this is the little reading that I was one. I so there's two things that I asked you to do. One of them I wanted you to take a look at the Amy Mullins video and tell me what you liked and what you didn't like about how she presents. But also there's this little reading here, and I, it, I think it's kind of interesting because what this reading is talking about is how you can... Things to think about as you're doing a speech. Things to think about that are going to help you to control your nerves a little bit. Things that are going to help you to think a bit about that performance that you're putting on, how to calm yourself down. And what I really, really liked was number six, because number six is, is just, it's great. It says, after all your preparation, your relaxation, 
your exercises, your affirmation that's telling yourself how good you are, that you know what there is do, that you know what you're doing. There's one thing left to do. And that's the simplest thing. Smile. Smile at your audience. Smile as they enter the room and smile when you're when you begin speaking. Now, you might be saying, well, but I'm not going to see anyone, so I don't need to smile. It's something that we hear in our voices, that, that, that expression. And remember, you are at this point talking via video, and you're not even talking via video. I'm talking via video. You're, in the, you're here, but you're just going to be speaking. But we hear all that stuff. And eventually, you will be speaking in front of people at some point in your career, very shortly. I, I imagine as we go back to school in the fall or in the spring, if, if we're not face-to-face in the fall, these things become important as you're trying to win your audience over. So this was kind of cool. I really, I really like this reading. And I think, you know, just as some tips, I think it's got some great ideas that are, are absolutely worth looking at. So I would go back. All of these things, take a look at them. I encourage you very, very strongly to, to make some notes and take notes as you're looking at these things and then relate them back to the reading. I think they work very well. All right, ladies, we need we want to get started, and I want to get started with just a, a really quick recap of where we left off last class. So we are at the stage where we're getting ready to start doing our introductory speech. That's going to happen Thursday, which means we need to be thinking about our next speech as well, our informative speech. And remember, it's a different style of speech, but it follows the same format of everything we've been talking about with some slightly different purposes to the speech. And I think that's really, really important when you think about what you're doing anytime you're speaking because it helps you to figure out how am I going to organize it? Am I organizing it chronologically? Am I organizing it as a problem-solving exercise? Am I organizing it spatially? All of that becomes really important as you start thinking about what kind of speech you're doing. What's the purpose of my speech? Well, my purpose of the speech on Thursday is to introduce us to something. The purpose of the speech on the following Thursday is to inform us about something. It's to tell us about something. And that's really important to, to keep in mind. And as we start thinking, well, what are we trying to do? What's the goal of where we're going? And, and, and so as, uh, oh, it looks like a ghost here. Let me just adjust my screen a little bit here. But so this, all, this, this as I, I said, everything keeps building on and, and forming your skills and your ability as your working towards doing the best speech in the world. That's your goal. You're, you want to do a, an absolutely fantastic TED quality speech. That is all you're trying to get yourself worked into. Okay. The Amy Mullins video. You had a chance to watch it. When you think in general terms, what is one of the tools that Amy Mullins uses to connect with her audience? What is, the, what is the key tool, the number one thing she does throughout her talk to connect with you, the audience? Anyone have any ideas? Amy Mullins, the Amy Mullins talk, that was the one at the, the end of last class. 
That's this one here. What does she constantly do? What does she constantly do? Sorry about that. What does she constantly do throughout her talk to get your attention, to connect with you? Let's advance it. At a children's museum. Here's a great example of it. 100 kids. I was speaking to a group of about 300 kids, ages 6 to 8, at a children's museum. And I brought with me a bag full of legs, similar to the kinds of things you see up here, and had them laid out on a table um, for the kids. And from my experience, you know, kids are naturally curious about what they don't know or don't understand or is foreign to them. They only learn to be frightened of those differences when an adult influences them to behave that way and maybe censors that natural curiosity or, you know, reins in the question asking for the, in the hopes of them being polite little kids. So, I mean, I, could, I just pictured a first grade teacher out in the lobby with these unruly kids saying, now, whatever you do, don't stare at her legs. When, of course, that's the point. That's why I was there. I wanted to invite them to look and explore. So I made a deal with the adults that the kids could come in without any adults for two minutes on their own. So the doors open, the kids descend on this table of legs, and they are poking and prodding, and they're wiggling toes, and they're trying to put their full weight on the sprinting leg to see what happens with that. And I said, kids, really quickly, I woke up this morning, I decided I wanted to be able to jump over a house. Nothing too big, two or three stories, but if you could think of any animal, any superhero, any cartoon character, anything you can dream up right now, what kind of legs would you build me? And immediately, a voice shouted, kangaroo, no, 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 it should be a frog, no, it should be go-go gadget, no, 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 it should be uh, the Incredibles, and other things that I don't, aren't familiar with. And then one eight-year-old said, hey, uh, why wouldn't you want to fly, too? And the whole room, including me, was like, yeah. <laughs> and just like that, I went from being a woman that these kids would have been trained to see as disabled to somebody who had potential that their bodies didn't have yet, somebody that might even be super-abled. Interesting. So some of you actually... All right, so the question I posed to you, and, and if you... That's a great video. I'm glad you got to watch it, and she poses some really great questions. There's two things I love about that video, and we'll get to those in just a second. There's things that I don't like that she does, and I would, if I was asked, and as I've asked you to do, a couple of things you like, a couple of things you didn't like about what she does, and I'll give you an example of one of the things that I don't like, is she does such excessive hand movement, and I think that hand movement is distracting, and, and we'll talk, we, we will continue to talk about these things, but your hands are like PowerPoint when you're talking to a group. And so you want to be thinking, what am I doing? Because as you're talking, it focuses your attention on the hands, not on listening to what she's saying. Maha's come and she walks a lot. Yeah, exactly. Walking a lot is also not a good thing. It, it becomes distracting. Think about even your professors who walk back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. How distracting that can be as you're trying to move because you're trying to keep, you're trying to focus on what they're saying. And every time you add hands, every time you add movement of you moving around, even if it's subtle movements, that becomes a distraction. But what does she do that becomes very, very interesting and is, is something she does, she does over and over and over again in her speech and is really a very powerful technique and tool to link you to content. What does she do? 
It's exactly what I just showed you. Who's, who wants to jump in? Throw on your microphone if you like. You don't just have to, to, to type in your answers. What did she do? What's her big thing that she did? Ladies, who wants to jump in? What's the big thing she did? What did she do? She asks, uh, she keeps asking questions. She does ask questions. Questions are good. Maha, telling a story. That is exactly it, Maha. Your, ladies, this is the key. You want to link your content through an example, through stories, through things that your audience can relate to. So you're giving a story. She's, she's talking about child psychology. She's talking about, in one hand, she's talking about how children form perceptions. And she's talking about how they are influenced to form their perceptions based on adult role-playing and adult instruction. And she then talked about how she broke that pattern and allowed these children to be naturally curious and to exercise their curiosity. And she did it through a story. So by doing that, it, it, she tells the story and then she pauses, she talks a little quieter and she moves into the next area. She talks about a thing, she talks about something, then she tells another story. And then she gets a little quieter and she moves into another, another portion, probably getting into her third part, tells another story and then it's into her conclusion. So she bridges what she's doing through examples or stories. And for all of us, that becomes a key thing. You want to make sure you're doing that. I think it's very, you're, and why does she do that? What is she doing? She's connecting with the audience. That's all you're doing. You're finding any tool, any way, any means to, to connect with the audience. The reality is you don't want to tell too much, but you want to tell just enough that people get a sense of what is important in what you're saying. And remember, ladies, this is that other thing. Remember the psychology of stuff. We're all curious. We want to know a little bit about our speaker. We want to know how things are relating. But also, what Amy Mullins did there is she told the story. And then she told, she, told us, she told us what the challenge was. Children have perceptions. She told us a story how she broke through the perceptions and she told us why it mattered. She told, well, why is that important? What does that do? What did that allow? How did that change the ambiance? That becomes important. So you want to, you want to do these things and you want to make sure that as you're doing them, you're, you're thinking about it in a, in a way that allows your audience to connect with what you're saying. That's all you're trying to do is get your audience to connect to your ideas and to what's important in your talk. So think about your three parts. Remember, you have your introduction and you have your conclusion. Then think about point one, point two, point three. Each of those, you have something you're trying to communicate and then you need an example or a story that brings it together. That becomes that important thing. So think about how you're doing that. And that's that organizational part. That's what I say, outline. From your outline, write your speech. And then when, you, when you're done, you return to that outline. Who else wants to jump in? What are, what are things that you liked about Amy Mullins? Let's hear, let, turn on your microphone to, to share with us. Who wants to jump in? What are things you liked about the speech? What are things you liked about what she did? What, what, what was something that she did that was interesting? What was something that she did that was a, a neat technique? Anyone? wants to jump hi. in. Hi, Hind. Tell me. Yeah, so I couldn't help but notice that she kind of had 
she displayed her personality in a way and she yeah. was entertaining yeah and she had the vocal range and she did a little bit of role play when she was talking about the kids yeah she was imitating them kind or mimicking yeah. them yes so i kind of like that it just I couldn't take my eyes off her when she was talking the whole time because she was moving a lot. Yeah. I liked that. I really liked that I because think it's finding it's yeah. finding a balance. And so that the key thing to movement and and there's a couple of reasons why you want to you do want to move and you don't want to move. A practical reason if you're at an event or something and they're filming it, moving makes filming hard. So a lot of places don't want you to move. But here's the thing, and and I, we like that movement. Do you know why we like the movement? Do you know what 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 movement does for us? It actually makes us less nervous. It, it it's makes the speaker it, as you and just, it's the people it, who are yeah. viewing it. They're just gonna be kind of like they're gonna have to force themselves to concentrate with her. Yeah, it changes. It, it 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 causes you to track with them, and it causes a change in what's happening. Especially if you now. Here's the thing: you as the speaker, if you're gonna use movement, number one rule of movement, and this is the problem for speakers because they don't do it very well. The number one rule: slow. No movement is fast. So if you're moving your hands, you move them slow. If you're moving from place to place, you don't move fast. You move slow. And that way it becomes a nice, slow, tracked movement. But when people are nervous, they move quite a bit. And that's a nervous thing. That is not so good because then it becomes a distraction. But a slow movement works very well, especially as you move across things. And it helps to keep our eyes there. You you pointed out another thing, Hind, the mimicking, the examples, uh, talking like the kids. Like, oh, hey, I did this. Oh, what about, be, what about being Superman? What about flying? That is a really, really good tool if you're talking about, well, someone said to me, my mom said to me, and, she, and then don't just say, my mom said to me that it's important to always brush your teeth. Talk like your mom, put on that accent, put on that look, take on the posture, kind of like a Sarah Jones when she puts on her aunt. I want to tell you all there about coming out here. You know, you take on that voice. Again, what does that do? It takes us out of our normal comfort zone as a listener because suddenly we're being informed but we're also being informed in an entertaining way and we like that we're accustomed to that that's youtube that's movies that's going to vox that's watching stuff on osn that's what we're used to and then you come into a presentation and it's mm, and everyone kind of goes oh this is boring well maybe it's not boring but it's not in the style that we're used to getting presented to so let's present to people in the style that they're getting to present it to over and over and over again Nice. I like it. What else, Hen? Anything else? What didn't you yeah, like? Yeah, that would be... What didn't you like? Be, I, I couldn't. I couldn't find anything Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's always stuff we don't like. I don't know, really. I just think that maybe the movements are a bit distracting now that yeah. I'm thinking about it. But other than that, I really think she did a good job. Like, I was invested and I was listening to her and I actually wanted to look into her more yeah. Because what yeah, she should. said was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Amy Mullins is a real great role model. Something interesting. That was about a, what a nine-minute speech. Did you see her notes? No. No. No notes. What do you? Th because she's talking about herself. Ah, so two things happened. One, one, she's talking about things that relate to her and things that she's invested in. Two, she would have practiced that talk a lot. There's no one who gets up in front of a crowd and t puts all these things together without having practiced it. And I know she would have practiced it because no one gets on a TED stage without copious amounts of practice. They don't let anyone get up there without knowing exactly 
how they're going to do it, what they're going to say, and they coach them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, good things. Excellent. Hend, nice, nice uh, addition. Thank you. Who else Thank wants? You. Who else wants to jump in? And I like the way you were talking. Very good. Remember, every time we're talking, whether we're answering questions or, or putting comments into the class, we're practicing our public speaking skills. So, excellent. Hend, that was a great start to the class. Thank you. Who else wants to jump in? What is one thing you liked about the presentation? What is and, and why? And what is something you didn't like about that presentation? What is something she could, I mean, not that you didn't like, what's something she could improve upon? Who wants to jump in? An incredible journey. Curious encounters were happening to me at the time. I've been accepting numerous invitations to speak on the design of the cheetah legs around the world. And people would come up to me after the conference, after my talk, men and women, and the conversation would go something like this. You know, Amy, you're very attractive. You don't look disabled. <laughs> I thought, well, that's amazing, because I don't feel disabled. <laughs> and, you know, it really opened my eyes to this conversation that could be explored about beauty. What does a beautiful woman have to look like? All right, so the, the, that, is, that is another great question, but that's not the question. Uh, what is a... What is a, a what is, what is beauty? But what did you think of her, let me just go back, sorry, of her PowerPoints? What strikes you about the PowerPoints? And I think this, this is where we're heading into today as well. But what strikes you about those PowerPoints as you were looking at them? How is she using them? And this becomes that lead-in question today that becomes really important, is we have options they all, that also tells a story. Yeah, the, the PowerPoints tell a story. So here's the thing we, we constantly have to remember and write on to these post-it notes that you're putting on your mirrors and on your computers. You want to write this down. It's very important. In any talk, you are the speech. You're the speech. You, the person talking, is the presentation. You're the speech. Props. So in Amy Mullen's case, she brought a whole bunch of legs with her. They were sitting on the stage. That's not the talk. You're the talk. The PowerPoint that you might use, the Prezi that you might use, not in this talk or the next talk, but the last two talks, you will be using them. All of those things that you might put up on your screen, those images, those videos, those aren't the talk. Those are supplemental things to your talk. They, they add to your talk. They bring some more words to your talk. But they don't replace you in any time. They are always secondary. If they don't work, if they're not there, your talk can go on. How many times, how many times have you been to a presentation in a class and the students get up and they plug in their computer and they do the click, click, and it doesn't work. And they're, okay, they'll try. Oh, it doesn't work. And then they can't do the presentation. This happens more than it should. And what does it instantly tell me? In, in the back of my head, I'm seeing this big, as a professor, I'm going, so they're not prepared to do their talk? They don't have a talk? Oh, no, I can't do my talk without my PowerPoint. But the PowerPoint's only secondary. The PowerPoint is not the primary bit. And so it's very important to be thinking, how am I going to use these additional supplements with my speech? 
And again, any speech. And the big question becomes, do I need the additional supplements to, those, to the speech? Think back to the Mark Bezos speech. So you remember that one? That's the, the, the fireman's speech. So let's just, let me go back here. Let me exit this. So remember, that's this guy here. This, this dude here who is talking about uh, ultimately Robin Hood and that kind of stuff. And he was doing Still, that. it was a real foot race against the other volunteers. So you remember this dude. How was his PowerPoint? He didn't have a PowerPoint. That's the first thing we want to think about. He didn't have a PowerPoint. What he have had was his story and ultimately his fireman's suit, which his whole story is built around him as a volunteer fireman. But it doesn't take over his talk. He's the talk. His hands, his motion became those PowerPoints and the actions, yes. And then his voice, that little bit at the end. The one thing above all that they, the, the homeowner noted in her letter to the fire department, someone even got my shoe, got her a pair of shoes. The way he said it, the way he put that forward, that's the PowerPoint. You don't need all these things. And it, the, the challenge that we face, you and I face, as people who are giving speeches, is we have been conditioned that, ah, oh, we need a PowerPoint. We need these images. Not necessarily. Again, when you go to do a presentation, say, okay, I want you to do a presentation. Have you been specifically instructed to produce a PowerPoint with it? If yes, do the PowerPoint exactly as per the instructions. And, and that's with any talk. If you're asked to do a talk in a specific way, you do it that way. If you're asked to present in a specific way, you present that way. But if they haven't told you exactly how to do the presentation, do you need a PowerPoint? In my experience, 90 9% of the time, the PowerPoints that people are presenting would be better as a handout than as a PowerPoint. Especially as, as if I get a PowerPoint with a screen that comes up, the out, here's the outline of my presentation. And I say, I'm, dude, that's the Batman voice. So as people are doing it, they, they put on first slide. Okay, here's the group. Here's the title. I love titles. That's good. Then the next, well, if you need the title, then the next slide is, here's what my talk's going to be. And the first thing I start thinking of as a professor, when I sit there, I have a smile, it's nice. In my head, I'm going, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you just give me that as a handout? Give the class a handout with that kind of information on it. And when I've asked students about that, they say, well, I wasn't told I had to do that. I said, no, you're not told you have to do that. That's the A, going above and beyond and giving the professor things that haven't been asked for. Why would you give them something that's going to be up there? You don't, want, you don't want students writing anything down. You want them to be able to listen to you and get the information. So give them the information like that. That's a bad PowerPoint start for me. Because why are you doing that? And why do you have to tell me all that stuff anyway? I don't want to know what you're out there. Oh, I'm going to do my outline. And then I'm going to have my this point, my that point. Then I'm going to conclude. It's like, duh, that's a good speech. Every speech has an introduction and conclusion, three points in the middle that are elaborated upon. Why are you telling me that you know the, the order of a speech, right? It's like, mm. so the point of all of this, the point of my rant, that was a rant, R-A-N-T. You and I need to think very clearly about how we've been doing our visual aids to any talk. And 
we need to remember, just like our talks, we are allowed to have vocal variety. We are allowed to put on a little bit of a show. We are allowed to connect ideas through examples and stories that are fun. We're allowed to sound like we enjoy our topic. But there also we need to remember that the standard way of doing PowerPoint doesn't necessarily create the best talk. Think about how what you're putting on the screen is going to enliven, is going to add to what you're doing. So that becomes very important. So I, what, I, what I like about Amy Mullins is, so she's talking about how, and in this particular part, she's she was talking about, let me go back here, in, in her talk, she was talking about how she was presenting and she was talking about the cheetah legs and things like, because remember she was a runner, right? And so as she's talking about those things, she's, she's having the opportunity to... Journey. Curious encounters were she's She has the opportunity to... Sh she wants people to, to fig get a sense of, okay, what am I talking about? And instead of going into a whole bunch of information about the cheetah leg and all this and the running leg and all, she just puts up this picture from the front of a magazine. Wonder Woman, it's got a picture of the legs. You take a look at it. You get all the information you need a little bit more. And she's talking about something else. She's building on it in other ways. So what's, what suddenly happens is you get two for the price of one. There's no, there's no writing on this, this thing. It's just the picture. There's no extra wording put onto it. It's just the picture that allows you to understand what's going on. Short and sweet and to the point. Brilliant. Because what's important in her talk? What's the important part of her talk? What happened to me at the time. I've been accepting numerous invitations. That's important. She is important. She's the important part of the talk. What she's saying is important, not the PowerPoint. If that didn't work, she, would, she didn't need it. She could keep going and dealing without it. So that becomes a really important thing to start thinking about as we're going to move forward. All right. So any, uh, that, was, that was probably the, I got to say, honestly, from, from a, a teacher perspective, the worst, worst <laughs> feedback on the Amy Mullins video when I'm asking, you know, what do you like? What do you don't like about it? Remember at the end of class, I did ask you to do this. Ladies, come on. That's horrible. I mean, Hend at least jumped in, but who else? There's got to be some other. Did you look at it? If you didn't look at it, ladies, this is, this is really important. Remember, every class is like a week in the semester in a regular semester, every class is one week. You need to be doing these things because that's the only way you're going to get better. It's, it's, it's not just about doing the talk. It's about having an introduction to some of the tools and concepts and ideas, <coughs> excuse me, and examples of things that can be brought into you, into your own, bring to you, but into your own talk to make it better. Does anyone else want to jump in, by the way, on... Last call, something in the Mullins presentation that you liked or didn't like? Something she did well that you said, hey, that's really cool. Something you'd like her to, to not do so much? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think she talks just a little too fast too because she every now and then she throws in the um or the uh or the, yeah. slow. I, I think it becomes jarring mm -hmm. a little bit. So I like the movement, but I, I'd like it slower. Yes, this is, and this is another thing when we talk about hand gestures and when you use hand gestures, ladies, it's very important to remember that hands 
are a purposeful thing. They are, as I keep saying to you, write it down. Hands are like a PowerPoint. So when you're doing a talk, you can leave your hands in a position and then slowly get rid of them. So if you're talking first point, a lot of people do this when they're talking. Okay, my first point is, my first point is, or they'll put it really close. My first point is, and then they're talking like this. Slow movements, whether if you're moving around somewhere, you move in slow motion. If you're using your hands, you bring them up steady. My first point is, and then you hold your, your hand there. That's now a PowerPoint. My second point, and you hold it there. And then when you're done with it, you can get rid of it. And maybe you're going to come up with your third Now, my third point is, and you hold it there, but you don't bring it up really fast and you move it around and keep moving your hand. It's purposeful. And a lot of times, how many people watch? In fact, you want to do this today. Here's a piece of homework. Do you want to write it down? Just something because we'll talk about it after you do your speeches. I want you to watch people talking and I want you to watch how much they use their hands. And then I want you to think about how they use their hands for a reason. So it's a two-part question. How much do they, how often do they use their hands and how many of them are using their hands for a purpose? The reality being, people talk like this all the time. Oh, you know, I did this. Oh, it's this, it's this. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's this. And they're moving their hands as they're talking. And because they're just constantly moving their hands, it's like, the, it's, it's like they're directing themselves as they're talking and the flow of it. But there's no purpose to them. And while that's okay in a conversation, it's not okay in a speech because then the hands become distracting. Because you're listening, but you're looking at the hands. And so you want to make sure your hands are contributing to what you're saying. Good calls, Fatma. I like those. Both of those. Very good. Who else wants to jump in? Who else wants to jump in? Please do. Anything else? Really, really. There's nothing too small. There's nothing that, that is bad. You want to be watching these things and saying, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, this, it could even be something very minuscule. Do you think the guy at the very start who's bringing in all the legs and building the stage as she's talking, is that distracting or do you think that's part of the story? I think that's on purpose. I truly don't know. But do you think it's on purpose or do you think it's, it's, it just happened by chance? And was it distracting or... Maha saying she hated it. Distracting. Anyone else? What do you think? I, I, I'm of two minds. I kind of like the intro, but I, I, it kind of. Then you're kind of looking over. Oh, oh, oh what is, what does he brought? What? Oh, those are different legs. Oh, look at the glass legs. Oh, look at this leg. Yeah, could be a, a, anything that gets in the way of a speaker speaking. To me, is is a problem, and you wanna, you want to. Con I, I'm very much. Remember, your con a, a speech is a construction. You're constructing this moment so that you can encode your ideas to give them to your audience who's going to decode them. Anything that isn't planned is not good because you want your motions. You want your hand gestures. You want your voice. You want how you're moving across the floor, where you're going to stand, how you're going to stand, all to contribute to what you're doing. And that's why I always constantly say practice these things. And the more you do it, you just kind of get into the groove and you say, okay, when I've got a really big point to make, I'm going to stand like this. Or I'm going to do these these things, but it it becomes more and more practice that becomes important. And again, you're trying to control everything one so that you're not nervous, but two so that you get the right message across. Anyone else want to jump in? Anyone else want to jump in? Do I have a jumper inner? Anyone here? Let's close up this screen. 
And where are we going? Remember, remember as you, and just a quick reminder, remember as you're getting ready for your speeches on Thursday, vocal components become very important. Think about volume and intensity. Think about four minutes. Think about that vocal variety. Also remember, introduction, conclusion. Conclusions, ladies. We've been talking about those so far quite a bit. They come up every class. Conclusions become important as well. So think about those and constantly think about day five. That's us. We're here. We are day five. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. All right. We've got really quickly, we're going to introduce this and then we should do a quiz. Quizzes are fun. So we've got two things that we want to talk about. First of all, we want to talk, we do want to talk a little bit about bringing other things to a speech. And as I said, this speech that you're going to be doing, your introductory speech, we're not adding any extra materials. So any, any visual aids. And we're not, we're not going to do that for the informative speech either. So the one next Thursday, it's just you talking. And there's a reason for that. I want you to get used to the speed. I want you to get used to putting your stories in there. I want, to get, I want you to be used to and a little bit more familiar with just your vocal component because the vocals and how you've constructed your story are so, so important. The, the last two speeches will involve adding visuals and sharing your screen on your computer and, and using some materials, whether that be a keynote or some PowerPoint, et cetera. But they're those, or just photos, but those are dangerous. And I say they're dangerous because what happens is we almost always revert right back to the classic ZU PowerPoint, which is a C at the best of times. And so we will talk more and more and more about the next couple of classes, what, what what is expected in those, as well as the informative speech. So there's a couple of things that I want to remind you of very quickly. The first thing is that you're doing your introductory speech this Thursday, and a week Thursday is your informative speech. So you need to be getting into, the, into your mind, get it on a, po- a post-it note, This is how it is done. That is the theme. This is how it is done. It's an informative speech. So you could be talking and and so you might be saying, what am I going to do my speech on? I don't know. Could be talking about what you study. It could be talking about something that is going on around you. It could be talking about how you make a cup of coffee. It could be talking about how to arrange a table. You're doing an informative speech. What is the important thing about an informative speech? This is, this is the easy one. What's important about an informative speech? It's giving information. That's it. The, what people do with the information, you really don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just giving information. Are they actually going to do something in the end? Maybe. Maybe not. You're giving them information about how to make a cake. Are they going to go out and make a cake later? I don't know. But I'm going to tell them how I make the cake. And I'm going to bring it to life for them so that they're interested in it. And that, that becomes very important. So we, we've got such a condensed period. You need to start thinking now, okay, this is how it is done. My next speech follows all the same things, follows all the same patterns of every speech. Introduction conclusion, three points in the middle, except your informative speech, your informative speech will need at least two sources that you would cite 
that are outside your personal experience. Not hard. And we'll talk a bit more about that as well. But it's very useful and very important that you're going to be doing that. So you want to be, we're going to start thinking about that. We're going to come back to this video in just a second. So the, there are literally two sets of readings that we've got here that become important. And we've got two videos. So the, the first reading that we've got, and this one is for today, oh, is talking about, and I'll load it up another way for you. Maybe you can get it at your house at this moment. The, the first reading is talking about using props and using things. And, and we're going to go through that in just a second. What we want to start thinking about when we're bringing materials to a speech, how we want to deal with that. The second reading is all about, it's not going there either. Hmm. The, the second reading is all about, so maybe there's a problem with their site at the moment. No problem. I will work it out for you. Do not worry. The second reading is all about informative speeches and what informative speeches are. And it's about informing, sharing ideas, not asking people to do anything with it. So that becomes rather important. So that's where we're going today. So we wanna, we've got two things. We're going we're gonna to do a little presentation as well. And we are going to talk a little bit about putting props and things together in our speeches and how we do that and how we, how we make that work. And again, the, the core idea to remember is that you're the speech, not the props that you use to do the speech. You're the speaker. You're it. All of those other things are simply supplemental. So that's, that's our plan for today is, one more time, we're going to talk a little bit about bringing uh, visual aids, which include practical things like Amy Mullins did. She brought her legs. And I think sometimes bringing those practical things, if you're going to talk about juice, bringing that juice to your talk might be very interesting. But it opens up all sorts of challenges. And likewise, using a PowerPoint opens up all sorts of challenges. In the case of using a prop, how are you incorporating that into the talk? And how are you, how are you using it? In the case of a PowerPoint, how are you incorporating it in? How are you using it? How does it fit? And just because I have a PowerPoint doesn't mean it fits my talk at all. So it, 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 as soon as we start adding things, it adds not only now do I have to think about introduction, conclusion, three points, how they link, four minutes. Now I've got to think introduction, conclusion, three points, how they link, stories, examples, and the PowerPoint all in four minutes. So now I'm adding some more complexity. If I add a prop to it, it becomes how am I using that prop? How is it being incorporated in? So the more I add to what I'm doing, the more practice I need to do. And think about it. This is a big one, especially with PowerPoint. When we talk practice, how many of you have done presentations for a class, maybe a group presentation, you have the PowerPoint, how many of you have practiced the talk with the PowerPoint? Most students I meet create the talk, create the PowerPoint, do the presentation, and it's almost the first or second time they've done the presentation with the PowerPoint connected into it. They haven't done any of the practice with the PowerPoint or if they're using props with the props. You don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you are fully immersed in how am I going to use my prop? How am I going to use my PowerPoint? How does it fit in? 
How am I, what am I using it for? How am I going to be responding to it? And there's nothing worse than someone who's doing a PowerPoint presentation who turns around and then reads the PowerPoint. As soon as someone reads the PowerPoint to me, I sit there and I go, hold on a second. I speak English. I read. So is the person reading the PowerPoint assuming that I can't read, see, or what? That's a bad use of PowerPoint as soon as you have to read it to someone. And usually that's because the person who's made the PowerPoint hasn't ever done it with the talk. So then they're panicking and they're just using it as speaking notes. In that case, again, print the darn thing off, give it to everyone in class and just stand there and let us read it. I'd be better. I'd probably be faster. Use your PowerPoints, use your, your props for purposes. And that's where we're going to go in just a second. All right. Questions before we get started any further, before we start going any further, any questions, any questions? So as I was saying, let's get back to this really quickly. There, there's a, a lot of stuff in today's notes that you're going to want to get to. The, let me try it again. The, the readings for today's section. So there's two things. The visual aid one is what I want to talk about right now. And this is something that you're, we're going to keep going back to. So that reading is alive and well, and it comes up. So that's really good. And that'll give you some ideas of things that we're going to talk about. The, the reading for next class after you do your speeches is informative speaking. So I'm going to introduce what informative speaking is all about right after. And, and so that, that piece of reading material is also alive and well. So you're, you're going to want to look at those, open them up, download them onto your computer, the PDFs so that you have them. And the, the, using visual aids is something that we will keep coming back to. And there's a couple of sections of it because there's, there's so much there and so much to be thinking about. I've put in two videos here, both of them for different reasons. We've got Stacy Kramer and what I really like about these videos and what I'm going to do is we're going to, we're going to fast forward. And then we're going to come back is because we are obsessed with PowerPoint and we, as far as I'm concerned, we use PowerPoint in presentations incorrectly. We use them as people are using their speaking notes as visual notes that go along with what they're, they're, they're doing in a speech when they don't need to. If you, my rule of thumb, and, I, and, and if you employ this in any of your classes, you will win. Unless, and so listen carefully, unless someone has told you exactly how they want a PowerPoint. Typically, someone says, I want you to do a presentation and I want you to include PowerPoint. They don't tell you the format of the PowerPoint. They don't tell you anything. They don't want you to do a presentation. So great, you do a presentation, put your PowerPoint together. Any information that you want students to write down, create a handout that matches your material and give it to them. Any student who creates a handout with all the core ideas on it that students need to go and read is a winner. With room for notes to be taken, you win because most students don't do that. And if you're gonna create a handout, make sure you put something on the back as well. Maybe it's a link to your slides that you've put into, into Dropbox. Maybe it is your email address. Maybe it is, I don't know. But don't leave the black back of a handout that you give someone. If you give someone a handout, you've got two sides. Use both sides. It's like a, it's like a card. You give someone a piece of paper, what's the first thing they do? They turn around the back, because they expect something there. So put something there. Don't not do that. Second thing is, 
when we're producing our presentations, we grossly underestimate the value of a prop and physical things. So no visuals and just the physical thing that is with you. Although then you've got to interact with it. And that becomes, again, something you want to practice. So I'm going to fast forward to the back. And then we're going to come back to the, the, the start here. And what I want you to remember when we start talking about using visual aids, there are so many things to start thinking about. So many things that you can be using to bring more clarity, that you can be using to bring attention, that you can be using to bring focus to what you're saying. But here's the thing, and I'll, we'll come back to this later on in part two or part three of our visual aids. Hold on, let me, I need to just get something here in the throat. Important note, if you're going to be speaking, don't drink a juice that has strawberry seeds or something in it because they get caught in your throat. Disaster. So visual aids, back to the visual aids thing. When we start talking visual aids, the first thing most of the time that we start thinking about is a PowerPoint. Going to use a visual aid PowerPoint. That's just one. And maybe not the best one either. So that's just one. Visual aids are everything. And this is really important in the, typically the way that you will present, whether it's with a job interview, whether it's at a conference, whether it's in a class. Even, even when you're doing Zoom meetings, in our case, we're, it's, it's a one-way video. I'm the video, you're not. But in most of the Zooms I go to, everyone is visually there. And so you want to make sure that, that the visuals that are included in that presentation, they're part of the visual aids. So you need to be thinking in terms of visual aids. You need to be thinking about, first of all, and, and foremostly, you. What are you wearing? Are you doing a Mark Bezos and wearing a costume? Or is it just the abaya you're wearing? Is it the dress you're wearing? Is it, if you've got fingernail polish, is it that? Is it the jewelry you're wearing? What does your shayla look like? What do your glasses look like? What does your makeup look like? All of those things, that physical appearance, all of that becomes part of the visual aid. It's all communicating something. Right down to the way your shoes sound when you walk on a stage, when you walk to the front of a class, that is part, well, that's an auditory aid, but people look. And so that becomes part of that visual aid package. So the first thing we need to constantly be thinking about is am I packaging myself in a manner that's going to be communicating the message and help to communicate the message that I'm trying to send? And I actually did a talk on that. If you if you go to my webpage, jamesed.com, www jamesed.com you can see the the little presentation that i did at ted active which is a, a ted conference that they don't do anymore unfortunately and this one was in palm springs california and it was it was a it was a great ted i really enjoyed it and i i had an opportunity to do a, a an audience talk and it was called every story has a every shirt has a story and every story has a shirt and it was exactly about this uh, how we need to wear clothes and think about what we're wearing as we're producing a speech. So personal appearance, number one thing, make sure that you're dressing for that part or that what you're doing is going to complement what you're saying, not going to distract from it. This, the second thing that becomes really important with visual aids is to think about, do I need them? Why do I need them? What are they going to bring to my talk? And is it going to be better to have a photograph of something? Is it going to be better to have the physical thing there? 
props and objects can become really useful because for one, we're so used to seeing visuals on a board. We're so used to the PowerPoint. We're so used to the Prezi. We're so used to the keynote that when someone arrives and they stand in front of you like Mark Bezos in, in the video that I showed last class in a fireman suit, you kind of go, whoa. When Amy Mullins gets up and she's got 12 sets of legs on a stage, that's a prop and an object. You kind of go, whoa, these are real things. They're, they're there. It, it plays with the psychology of your mind because it's actually there and you might be interacting with it. And then how you interact with that thing becomes really interesting. So props and objects can become very useful and you can keep referring back to it, which becomes very useful. Visual aids part three, demonstrations. You might actually show how to do something. You might do a demonstration on how to do calligraphy or how to cook something or how to put something together. This can be very good. Again, requires a huge amount of practice and you need to think, is it going to work in the time that I have? Is it going to work in the time that I have? And if it's not going to work in the time that you have, if you're going to lose your audience in doing it, don't do it. And that becomes the important thing. And that's where possibly going fa fast forward, passing posters and film clips, going to audio and video, that's where it might be useful to have a very short little video clip or a little video piece that's, that's useful or a little bit of audio that's useful. Now, here's the thing. So demonstrations can be good, but they can be problematic because they might, it, unless you know it's going to work, if it's going to fail, don't do it. You don't want to have a failure with the demonstration. It's going to derail your, your speech and cause you to be more stressed, et cetera. So it's got to really work and you've got to know how it's going to work and, and have done all the preparation. That could be a deterrent because it might just, it might be too much stress. Audio and video in presentations can be awesome. But audio and video, as we typically use them as students and we, as we see them at ZU, are used to do the presentation, not to be part of the presentation. So students, they could have put on a video and, they, and then they exit and they go to YouTube and they play a one-minute video clip. Remember, at all times, when doing a presentation, who is the presenter? You. You're the presenter. That YouTube or that audio that you're going to play is to augment, is to build, is to exemplify, is to, to give an example, is to give extra to what you're doing, not to do the presentation for you. As soon as that video or that audio is now taking over the role of presenting, you failed. You failed at your task because you're the presenter and you've given it away. And too many people like to take their PowerPoints and that and let the PowerPoint do the presentation, hopefully masking their inability to do a good job. Don't fall for the trap because I've heard you all speak repeatedly, small bursts, you're awesome. Truly, remember, get the post-it note. I really am good at speaking. And you know what you can do? Put on it, James said, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. And if you want me to record it for you, just send it to me. I'll record it for you. you. You sound awesome. Just little things is gonna make you sound even just super exceptional, spectacular. It's easy, it's easy and you're well on the way. Audio and video in a presentation needs to be short and it needs to be something that you tell people why you're using it 
you show it and then you include it as it, it help you're, you're contextualizing it, but it needs to be short. You need to be able to get into it and get out of it short five seconds, seven seconds, get rid of it. That's it. Five, seven seconds of video, boom, get rid of it, go back to it. You're the presenter, not the video. You're the presenter. So audio and video, nice, like them. But they're, they're a challenge. Does it work? Does it start? Is it taking over my presentation? As soon as it is, as soon as it's over about five seconds, you're in danger territory. You don't need it. Tell me, show me, make it work. When we talk about visual aids, the other thing we start talking about is alternative things. So what's, what's old school PowerPoint, posters and flip charts? They could be good. Whether you're writing with a pen on them, whether you already have information up on a, fl a flip chart or a poster for people to see, it could be good. But there's a danger. Can everyone in the audience see what's on the flip chart or the poster? If they can't, it's useless. Don't do it. Because if people can't see what's on your poster or your flip chart, if people can't see what's on that, that document, then don't use it because now you're alienated people and they're wondering, oh, no, what's, oh, no, what they're writing up there. I can't really see it. They're tuning out. They're going, well, person doesn't respect me enough. I'm sitting in the back and I couldn't get close to the front. Now I can't see. They're already forming things in their head and you're losing your audience. Your, your goal is to constantly be respectful of that audience and include them and ma make it feel like they're part of what you're saying. Handouts. Ladies, handouts are the most undervalued portion of any talk. If you're doing a talk in MPS, if you're doing a talk in psych, if you're doing a presentation in international studies and you're talking about all these things, you don't want people taking notes. You don't want people writing things down, taking notes, because if they're taking notes, they're not listening to you. You want people to be engaged. You want them to get the information. You want them to know what your main ideas are. And the best way is give them a handout, physical piece of paper, and give them a link to where they can get it online, both sides, and make it look nice. Make it look nice. Make it match the way you're talking. Make it match any visuals that you're using if you're using a, a slide deck. Make them match it. But I don't understand why more people don't create a handy-dandy handout front and back. It makes so much sense. It, and, it, and it buys you, it buys you the opportunity. If you're going to give a, a little quote or if you're going to put up a, a graph, no one's going to be able to, and we'll talk about this in a second, but people have a lot of trouble seeing things on graph. We do a little copy from a book and we put it up and you can't read the numbers on the side. So you're going to restylize it anyway for your slideware, but you can put the graph on this paper so that people can see it and they can get it. You can put some information, the important stuff there. You can put the quotes there. So they've got that, that core information. Give people a handout. Use them. Make them. Live with them. There's so many tools to do that. It just makes so much sense. And especially if a teacher hasn't asked for it when you're doing a presentation, you're getting up there and talking. You've got a little bit of slideware and you've given a handout. You're the best in the class because you've practiced it. You know what you're doing and you're giving people that stuff to take away. So handouts. Think handouts. Think giving people that stuff that they need. And again, but it depends on the audience and it depends on the context. So you got to play with it. Slideware is the biggest thing that we are our Achilles heel 
These are PowerPoints. These are keynotes. These are prezies, etc. And we have been lulled into the world of, well, it has to look like this. And we see them in all of our classes. They all follow the same format. And for the most part, they're horrible. Any slide that has more than one key point on it is a failed slide. Any slide that is full of words is a failed slide. The goal of your slideware is to augment what you're saying, not to do your talk, not to distract people from you, the presenter. The goal of your slideware is simply to accentuate what you're saying, to add attention to what you're saying, not to replace you, not to take over from you. Simple way of thinking about your slides, and we'll go into a lot more detail on these, by the way. Simple way to start thinking about these is if your slide, your, your PowerPoint doesn't work, you get up to do a, a, a presentation, and I say this to my students all the time, you got five seconds, five seconds to make it work. If it doesn't work, go without it. And that's, that's brutal because you, you know, you're, you've, you've worked on your talk and you know it and you've got these slides and they're going to be beautiful and you want them to be connected. You've got five seconds and it's literally, you know, you've all been in that class where, where a group's gotten up and then they're trying to get it going and you, got, and you start counting in your head. One, two, and they're trying to count three time. It's at, at three seconds. That's a long time. Four. Now people, the, the person who's getting ready to speak, their heart's going like this. Five. That's when they got to say technology fails. You know what? We'll go without. And they start doing their speech because they don't need the slideware. They don't need the PowerPoint because they're the presentation. That's really important. If you can't do your speech without the slides, you have a bad speech and you have a, it, 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 that's not a good speech. A speech is a presentation done by you. Slideware, props, posters, audio, video, demonstrations, your appearance are all extra. They're all extras. The presentation is you. It's the way you're going to stand there. If we were visual, it's your hand gestures. It's your eye contact. It's your facial expressions. That's the presentation. The visual aids, all of these other things, they're just supplemental. If it's it's kind of like getting a car and saying, oh, do you want to get the cloth seats or the leather seats? That's the visual aids. It's just the extra. Do I get the, the, the do I, I'm getting my Bentley. Oh, I'm not getting a Bentley, but I'm getting a Bentley. Am I going to get the, the sheep wool carpets? Oh, that's the rolls. The rolls has the sheep wool carpets. Do I want my sheep wool carpets or do I want my car for carpet? Mm, something about a sheep wool carpet when you kick off your sandals. So, but that's a, that's an extra. That's a visual, the visual aids. That's the extra. The car still runs beautifully and it drives beautifully. You don't need the sheep wool. You don't need visual aids. They're the extras. But all too often what's happened is you and I have given up. We've just given up our role as the presenter, and we've been lulled into believing. Lulled me. We've kind of been fooled. We've kind of been, you know, slowly. Oh yeah, be okay. You'll be okay. Yeah. No, you're presenting, and PowerPoint is not going to make a bad presentation, bad preparation better. Props and objects are not going to make a bad presentation better. They're just going to accentuate a bad presentation. Audio video, when you put on a one-minute video, it doesn't tell me that you know what you're doing. It tells me this is a bad presentation. 
the person's not prepared and they're trying to mask it and hide it with a video. If I wanted to watch another video, I'd go watch YouTube. I want you to present the ideas to me. I want you to create the slides that accentuate what you're saying, not show me a bunch of slides that have all the words on them. Nothing worse, nothing worse than getting into a presentation and the professor or the students turn around and read the slides. As I said before, just give me the slide deck then. If you're just going to read every slide to me, give me the deck. I can read, you can read. As soon as someone starts reading their slides to me, unless there's a quote that, that it's, and it's for dramatic effect, but otherwise, if they're just reading every word off the slide to me, they're, they're insulting me. That's a complete 100% insult to my intelligence, and I'm, I'm offended. It's like, slides actually give you double time. You have your words that you're saying, so you have four minutes, you have the stuff that you're saying, and now the slides add a whole bunch of words that I don't have to say. I can put stuff up on the slides, not words. Don't avoid the words. You don't need too many words. I can put images, ideas, things on the slides that accentuate and add to what I'm saying without me having to say them. It's like beautiful. It takes practice. Got to think about it, but it works. So do I, that's kind of where we're, where we're going with what we're going to be doing. So we're going to be thinking about how we're presenting things. We're going to be thinking about the additional things we can use to them. And what we want to start paying a little bit more attention to is when we're looking at talks, and a lot of times we're looking at, we're looking at some cool videos, think about what's being organized in it. What does is, what is the person's appearance look like? What objects and props are being used? What kind of, of audio video is being used, if any? What kind of slideware is being used? How is the slideware interacting and how does the person interact with it? How does it all come together to make the talk? And we constantly want to look and say, okay, what, what worked there? What didn't work there? And how could what didn't work be made to work and how could I use it? But how is it going together? And I think that becomes the important thing and, and a, a really big challenge. And you're getting to it now. You're doing it. You're already starting. Four speeches, first speech on Thursday, but we got four of them. That's mean we only have three left. You're already starting to think about your voice. You're already starting to think about the organization. You're already starting to think about how to manage my stress. You're already starting to think about this package. Excellent. We're going to start adding more to it. And you want to start thinking about, okay, how do I use these extra tools to make what I'm saying, which is already awesome, even better? And if it's not making what I'm doing saying even better, then I need to figure out, A, do I not use it unless I have to use it? And if I have to use it, how do I then fashion it so that it's going to be exceptional and an exceptional addition to what I'm doing? So what do we want to do? What do I want to show you? I want to, I want to show you the Stacy Kramer talk. And what I want us to do is I want, it's, it's a short one. So I want you to think really carefully as you watch this talk. First thing I want you to think about, Stacey Kramer, the best gift I ever survived is the title of her talk. So first of all, I want you to think about her and I want you to look at, at her. I want you to look at her face as she's talking and I want you to think about the speed that she's talking. Remember, important point that I've constantly said is you're looking at about three words a second is a, is a good speed. And you don't want to talk too fast because you want people to connect. So I want you to think about what she's saying and how it connects with her slideware. 
what is she saying and how it connects with her slideware and do the slides that she's using add to her talk? What do they, how are they adding to her talk? What are they giving her talk? That's what we want to take a quick look at. Her, her, her talk's really short. So I want you to think, and it's, it, this is really down the, down the line of an informative speech. There is, there is quite an introductory portion to it, as in she's introducing us to her and to something. But really, it's an informative speech. This is a classic informative speech. So let's take a quick look, and then we'll, we'll, I'll turn off my screen. We'll have a quick chat and see what we want to do. So let's see where it's going. So let's just take a quick look and... If, if, you're, if it's not streaming well for you, you can go to the course notes and click on it as well and, and have a listen. So let's do it. Let's see. Imagine, if you will, a gift. I'd like for you to picture it in your mind. It's not too big, about the size of a golf ball. So envision what it looks like all wrapped up. But before I show you what's inside, I will tell you it's going to do incredible things for you. It will bring all of your family together. You will feel loved and appreciated like never before and reconnect with friends and acquaintances you haven't heard from in years. Adoration and admiration will overwhelm you. It will recalibrate what's most important in your life. It will redefine your sense of spirituality and faith. You'll have a new understanding and trust in your body. You'll have unsurpassed vitality and energy. You'll expand your vocabulary, meet new people, and you'll have a healthier lifestyle. And get this. You'll have an eight-week vacation of doing absolutely nothing. You'll eat countless gourmet meals. Flowers will arrive by the truckload. People will say to you, you look great. Have you had any work done? <laughs> and you'll have a lifetime supply of good drugs. You'll be challenged, inspired, motivated, and humbled. Your life will have new meaning. Peace, health, serenity, happiness, nirvana. The price, $55,000, and that's an incredible deal. By now, I know you're dying to know what it is and where you can get one. Does Amazon carry it? Does it have the Apple logo on it? Is there a waiting list? Not likely. This gift came to me about five months ago and looked more like this when it was all wrapped up. Not quite so pretty. And this. And then this. It was a rare gem, a brain tumor. Hemangioblastoma. The gift that keeps on giving. And while I'm okay now, I wouldn't wish this gift for you. I'm not sure you'd want it but I wouldn't change my experience. It profoundly altered my life in ways I didn't expect, in all the ways I just shared with you. So the next time you're faced with something that's unexpected, unwanted, and uncertain, consider 
that it just may be a gift. Namaste. All right, a three-minute speech talking, uh, an informative speech, an interesting way of doing one, talking about this thing, this, this brain tumor she had. So think about that speech, and what I want you to think about is what, what did she do with her visuals? Simple. Image of a Tiffany's box, image of a biohazard thing, image of the x-ray, image of her in recovery. All of these things start to fill in the story, the image of her in the recovery. So you, and she's, she's told some of the story. So it all starts to fill in and you start filling in from your own experience. You start filling, what does this mean? You start adding a whole bunch of information that, that contextualizes with your understanding. And she's telling us, how this changed her life, how this has altered things, how this has done things to her. Interesting way of doing it. Interesting way of presenting. What I liked was she stood in one place. What I would have liked to have seen more of, a little bit more pause near the end between the points. But it was simple and it was slow. And she was talking in a very measured way. Does it work? Hey, you know what? I, I think I'd play with the conclusion a little bit more. <laughs> to be to, Truth be told, I'd play with it. But hey, that's easy for me to say. I'm sitting here and I've just watched it. She was in a room with thousands of people telling this very personal story. She kept it all together. You could see tears were ready. She kept it all together. Wow. But that emotion came through. It was a well-delivered product. Working with the images. Short, sweet, easy, simple to get along with. I think that's what makes thing, that, that makes that presentation work. And for me, it becomes a little bit of a master class in using visuals. Do I need to put that introduction, that, that introduction slide of who I am in the class? Why not just introduce ourselves? Hello, my name is James. This is Richard. This is Michael. And we're going to talk to you today about public speaking. Or I could put the public speaking slide up there. Who we are, our group number, that, and all that stuff. Do I really need to waste a slide on that? Or can I take control of it? Do I really want to do that? Or put it on a handout that I give to the teacher with all of our names, what the thing's about, and the core ideas. It's It's... You know, why do we do that kind of, that slide with all that stuff on it? Because everyone's always done it. Do we need to? Look, if I'm going to submit the, the slides to the professor after, yeah, I'm going to put that on there. I'm going to put it in the, the title of the slide so they know who it is. But do I really need it when I'm doing it to the class? Probably not. Why? Why do we do it that way? We don't need to. Were there any words on her slides? No. Do we need to fill them up with text? No. Each slide, a great slide, a magnificent slide, has one idea per the slide. One idea. Mistake we make is we like to box them up. We, we, we love to go to the template and pick the template in Word, you know, Microsoft Word. Don't go with the template. 
It's already it's already putting you into a, a bracket. Make your own layout. One idea per slide. Minimum number of words, preferably none. It can work really well. It can work really well. There's a variety of these things that your the slides are relating relating to you. You're not relating to the slides. The slides work with you. You don't work with them. Comments on that. What did you think of that talk? Because there's a little things I, you know, you might even say, hmm, James, come on, you've been listening to all of us and you keep giving us that, that, that criticism that we need to talk a little bit more personal. Maybe she could be a little bit more personal. Maybe, maybe, you know, and maybe it's, maybe she's talking too slow. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe, but it worked. I mean, what, 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 what I give her a decent grade? I give her a good solid B. I give her a good solid B for that. Yeah, it's good, a good. <laughs> Comments, ladies. What are your thoughts? What did what did you hear? What did you see there that made you go, ah, okay, you know? And, and she's wearing a little black dress. She's on a stage. It all sort of comes together when you start looking at it. It all it all works. It all sort of fits in. Well, the stage is designed. She's it's standing there. And while I'm okay now, she's smiling. I wouldn't wish this gift for you. I'm not sure you'd want it. She's looking at but people. But I wouldn't change my experience. Doesn't touch your hair. Doesn't touch your face. One of the things we notice right at the start, and it's right because here. I Let's go back here. You notice it right at the start. And this is a big challenge for you all as well. There it is right here. Okay, so it's right at the start. So envision what it looks like all wrapped up. So you see when you see, and it's a, it's a silly little thing, but did you see when she had to look down at the advancer to make the PowerPoint work? Because people don't talk, they don't use advancers. So then when you go to a, something and someone gives you an advancer, you don't know what you're doing. I always have an advancer in my bag. And in fact, if we were in a class, you would see me walking around with a, a pen in my hand all the time, usually my right hand, because that's the one I hold the advancer in. So I constantly have something in my hand where I put an advancer, because if I do use a PowerPoint, I, I'm always ready to go. And I have my advancer in my bag, and I, I might use it once or twice a year, but I always have it. So I know where the finger is, so I have the look, and I'm ready to use it, so I don't have to look down to see where it is. So that, that's an, another important thing to think about as you're putting stuff together. But any comments from your side as you're processing all that we're, I'm throwing out there and we'll, we will start to bring it all together as we're going. We'll start talking more and more about. So what we start to do is we've got our, our format of speaking. We've got the way we're organizing stuff. We've got some physical form things. We've got some visual things. And as we're going on to our informative talks, we start bringing all of this stuff in there as well and saying, oh, okay, well, what about this? Or how could we have done it differently? Or what about that? Or, hmm, let me try this. With the idea being that you're creating this big tool chest of options for you to make your presentations even better. Comments, though, on that presentation, comments on what, what we saw there, anyone? Anybody? Anyone? Nothing? Really? Anyone want nothing? Nothing? Anyone want to turn on their microphone? No comment at all. Maha's the only one who's, who's going to, she, she came through with a mashallah. Any, anyone, anything else for, from anyone? You're zoned out. You're ready. You're ready to get into your your final presentations for your your first speech. Okay. So to wrap up then, to wrap up what we want to be thinking about here is how important 
it could be to be using visuals in a, a presentation. So they can be important. So we want to we want to keep that in mind that yes, visuals can be important, but you also want to be thinking about how you interact with them, how you use them, how they become part of the story you're telling. And that that leads me to this final video that I'm going to ask you to take a look at because it's, it's actually kind of cool. So I don't know if you remember the series Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. And, and Mad About You rebooted for a, a short series bit. And it, it was kind of fun. So Paul Reiser is the writer and one of the actors in Mad About You. And he... He did an interview where he was using a prop, the prop being a piano. And it's interesting, and why I like this talk, and I want you to take a watch of it, not now, because I'm going to let you go. But what I think becomes useful is he's a master storyteller. So in the process of this interview, which is really just a big speech, he's telling all these stories, and the stories connect together. And in many ways, the stories revolve around the piano, which is kind of cool, because it's this prop. And... It can be both complementary and in some ways distracting. So that becomes a very useful thing to be thinking of as we're going through. So what do you need to do for next class? Number one, need to look at the order that we're speaking so that you, you're, you know that if you're going to be, you know, number one or are you going to be number 19? So you want to be looking at that. Number two, you want to have practiced, practice, 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 practice. Just relax. Just give it a go. And number three, you, you want to be looking at following through on opening up the stuff on the informative speech and just sort of saying, okay, where does that go? Because <laughs> you've got stuff to do for our, as we move forward. This is just a, a four-minute blip in your day that's taking you maybe a couple hours to sort of put together. And I know you might say, it didn't take me a couple hours. It might take you 45 minutes, an hour to practice it, to get it to where you want. You've probably been thinking about it for a while. So you, you want to be thinking multitasking and putting everything together. When we come back next class, we will start right into our speeches. There's no quiz next class. We start right into our speeches, and then we're going to jump into uh, detailing a little bit more about what's expected in an informative speech, and away we go. That being said, I'm going to stick around, but if you have questions, that this will be the time to ask them, and, or if you want to leave, you may, and those who've got questions, hang out, and we can, we can work through them. But otherwise, that is our class number five, ladies. That was class number five, and we will pick up where we left off uh, on Thursday with class number six. Class number six, your first speech. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear where we're going. If you've got nothing, you need to go. you got family. you got another class. You've got an appointment. You need to go practice. Skedaddle, and we will see you soon. But thank you very much for another great class, class number five, class number six coming up on Thursday. I'm sticking around though. You have been listening to Public Speaking in the Summer with me, James Pikeway, and this was day number five, an introduction to visual aids and props. Talk to you again real soon.